She seeks, she works, she brings, she provides, she considers, she strengthens, she perceives, she stretches, extends, reaches, makes, supplies, rejoices, watches, and she excels. Those are action words. And she's not idle. She's an active woman. I love that. She, people notice her. People watch her. Her children bless her, and her husband praises her. Her lifestyle fears and reverences the Lord. And it was just a reminder to me of all the more we can do through Christ who strengthens us. Right? It's just such, been such a blessing week after week. And Pastor Ann, um, time and time again, has reminded us that it is God's divine for each one of us to be those women of strength and power who are, who are able to rise up even in the face of adversity. And we do that as we choose to follow after God and press into him for all that we need. I think that we've all seen Proverbs 31 in a new light this past season, and we're realizing that we are those virtuous women able to fulfill God's design for our life as we seek after him. I know I've come to understand in even a greater way that it has so much to do with the choices that we make day in and day out. We need to stay in the word and put it into practice in our life. We need to let our light shine to the world around us. We need to walk in the spirit and stay in the spirit and we need to choose God's way of doing things over our own. The more we do it, the easier it will become. And the Bible tells us that the old is gone and the new has come. Our old nature and old way of doing things begins to fade away as the beauty of the Lord begins to reign and radiate in our life. So um, last week, Pastor Ann wrapped up our study in Proverbs 31. And she challenged each one of us at the end to consider the mark or the legacy we want our life to leave on others. And I was so blessed at my table and the answers they gave. They said things like they want to leave unconditional love and generosity and compassion and raising children in the Lord and living a godly lifestyle before others. You know, I thought, although we are all a work in progress, we are virtuous women. We are awesome women, and we have great strengths and abilities far beyond our own. So what a blessing it has been for, for me this season to get to meet many of you, and most importantly, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. So let's pray this morning, and we'll get started. Father. We just thank you so much for the awesome privilege we've had to gather here each week and to learn more of you and to grow in you and to become the women that you desire us to be. I pray that you would just anoint our time together, Lord. Continue to speak to our hearts and stretch us and grow us. We want you to have our way, your way with us, Lord, as we commit our lives into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, last week, Pastor Ann mentioned a few bi uh, women of the Bible, and uh, she said, although we can learn great things from these women, we want to um, apply them to our life here and now and accomplish great things. 
And this morning, we're going to look at the life of a woman who definitely accomplished God's design for her life. And in doing so, it had an effect on each one of us as well. You could say she excelled them all. Her name was Mary, and she's the mother of Jesus. From the book of Luke, we first meet up with Mary as a young teenage girl who was engaged to Joseph the carpenter. And it, it was said that at that time, an angel came to her. His name was Gabriel. And he said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you, and blessed are you among women. Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, I'm sure this news came as a surprise and a shock to this young teenage girl, as it would any of us. And so she does what we would do, and she asks a question. How can this be, since I have not known a man? But the angel went on to explain that the Holy Spirit would come upon her, and the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And then follows one of my favorite verses in the whole text, and it's in Luke 1.37, when the angel said, For with God nothing is impossible. And I think we need to all say that together. For with God nothing is impossible. And to that statement, Mary replied, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, we don't know a lot about Mary's childhood because the Bible doesn't really tell us a lot, but she must have been an amazing, awesome young woman to have been selected of all women in history to bear God's son. It's important to note that although she was called blessed among women, she was just a woman like you and I. She had dreams, she had feelings, and emotions. Her life was normal in the sense that she was engaged to marry a carpenter, and she was pl probably planning married life that was to come. But change came to Mary, and it came suddenly, and it came unexpectedly, as it often does. Now, often, obviously, God saw wonderful qualities in this ordinary young woman. And he used them to bring to pass his divine design that would change not only the course of history, but all of mankind as well. So this morning, we're going to examine some of those traits that we see um, in Mary that helped her to accomplish God's divine design in her life and made her a, a virtuous woman who excelled above them all. So if you're a note taker, you know I am because it just helps me remember. The first trait we see in Mary is her humility. Mary was a humble woman. She didn't argue or um, challenge the angel in any way, but she accepted what Gabriel told her to do, and she even referred to herself as the Lord's servant. 
You know, humility is a beautiful quality in people. We see it in Mary. We saw it in Jesus himself. But it's a bit hard to find in people today. My commentary says true humility means seeing ourselves as we really are from God's perspective and not our own, and then acting accordingly. True humility is really God-centered. And that's what we see in Mary, the beautiful Lord, the servant of the Lord. James 4.10 tells us to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and then he will lift us up. In other words, a humble woman is able to recognize that her worth is from God and God alone, and it involves working along with his power according to his guidance and not our own. No one can elevate us and lift us up like God can. Now, this world we live in tells us to promote ourselves and climb the corporate ladder, and we live in a dog-eat-dog -dog society. But God simply says, humbly come to me, and I will lift you up. So we see the contrast there, as we so often do, God's way versus the world's way. In her humility, the second quality we see is her submissive spirit. Mary was submissive, and that's a word a lot of women struggle with for some reason or another. But Mary, even though she had many reasons to object to God's plan, after all, she could have lost Joseph as her future husband. She could have been ostracized publicly for being pregnant out of wedlock. And she could have even been stoned, um, which was the penalty for fornication and adultery in, that, in those days. And now many women, for fear of their own lives and their future and their friendships, may not have wanted to be involved in such a plan. But Mary was able to trust God, and she didn't raise any objections. She willingly obeyed in spite of the possible consequences. And that's amazing to me in and of itself because, remember, she was just a young girl. This young woman calls herself a bondservant of the Lord, and then she acts like one as well. There was no doubt that Mary had a lot of questions in her heart. How can this be? What will I tell people? What will I tell Joseph? What are my parents going to think? We can all come up with questions and excuses, can't we? Have you ever put yourself in Mary's spot and thought, how would you react if an angel came to you with such news? I might have had comments like, can we talk about this for a while? Or do you have a plan B that I can consider regarding this? Or I think you've got the wrong girl. You must be kidding. I can't do this. I'm engaged to be married. Or we might even say, this doesn't fit into my plans. I have a plan for my life, and this isn't it. It seems, though, that even at a young age, Mary was able to realize the honor and blessing and call upon her life. She had much wisdom for someone so young. But what would you have thought? What decision would you have made? How would you have responded to such a call?
I couldn't help but wonder, and scripture doesn't say, if anxiety and fear rose up in her just a little bit, because any time we're called to do something great for God, Satan tries to put fear on us. He tries to give us every reason why we can't do that. The Bible tells us that perfect love casts out fear. And God's love for us, we know, is perfect. And his plan for us is as well. I learned this years ago in a situation in my own life when my daughter was a senior in high school. I think she was 17 at the time. And she came home and announced to her dad and I that she wanted to go with her youth group on a mission trip to Russia for two weeks. Now, I'm not sure I spoke it from my mouth, but I know that I thought, no way am I sending you to Russia for two weeks all the way across the world. You've never been away from home that long. Um, there's no way I can let you go. But as my husband and I started to talk and pray about it, God convinced both of us at the same time that she was indeed to go to Russia on this mission trip. Well, she did go, and God had a divine design for her life at 17 years old. She was able to go in public schools in Russia and take Bibles to pass out to all the high school students and share her testimony there and all that God had done in her life. Now, she wasn't allowed to do that in our country at that time, but she could do it in Russia. Go try and figure that one out. But God used her greatly, and it was a life-changing event for her. And you know what, you guys? It was a life-changing event for me, too, because I realized I could let go and trust my children in the hands of God. It, you could say it was a growing experience for both of us. Although Mary probably didn't fully understand all that God's plan involved, she trusted his divine design for her life, and she submitted to his plan, and perhaps even to the words in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that we probably all know well. They tell us to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and then he will direct your path. That's one of the first uh, verses that I tucked in my heart. And I'll be honest with you, the hardest part of that verse was not leaning on my own understanding. Because that's what we do a lot of times, right? We want to reason it out, figure it out, be logical. But sometimes God's plans can't be figured out by our little minds. So we need to um, know that as well. But as Mary submitted, God rewarded her and sent an angel to Joseph telling him not to be afraid, but to take Mary as his wife, because she had conceived by the Holy Spirit, she would have a son, and they would name him Jesus. And Jesus, by the way, means the Lord saves. And save us he did by using the submission and the courage of this young virgin girl named Mary. And courageous she was. That's the third thing I saw, is her courage. Because it takes a lot of courage to step out into the unknown, doesn't it? Um, especially when God asks us to forfeit our plans or, or our life as we had it all mapped out. 
Years ago, my husband was called to ministry in Arizona. We have both always lived in California, and everything we knew was here. Our job, our kids, our grandkids, our family, our friends, our church, all of our ministry, everything was in California. And God was plucking us out of California and moving us to Arizona. He was asking me to let go of everything I held dear and trust him and follow him. I remember telling a friend that I felt like I was standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon holding the hand of Jesus, ready to jump into the unknown. I really had no idea what God had in store for us. But looking back, I've never regretted the decision for a minute because God used us and God grew us in ways I could have never imagined. I've often heard people say, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And when we can trust that, God will accomplish great things. And I'm so grateful that he gave me the courage I needed to let go and to trust him. Many years ago now, I did a study in the book of Joshua. And I remember so clearly when Joshua was taken over the ministry for Moses, God spoke to him and said, be strong and of good courage. This is Joshua 1.9, I believe. Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I tucked that verse in my heart. And it's gotten me through so many difficult times because I can be strong and courageous and if I trust and believe that God is with me wherever I go. And so can you. I wonder if Mary, young Mary, had ever meditated or read these verses as she faced such a life-changing event in her own life. You know, the Bible tells us if God is for us, who can be against us? No one, actually. Absolutely no one. God's presence with us should equip and empower us to any task that he calls us to do. Another wonderful quality I see in Mary is her selfless attitude. She never stopped or even considered, what's in this for me? That's kind of the world we live in today, right? Everybody wants to know, what's in this for me? We often allow self, I think Pastor Ann touched on this last week, we allow self to get in the way of what God intends to do in and through us. We want to be safe, we want to be comfortable and cozy. We even want to be a bit coddled, don't we, ladies? But Pastor Ann also reminded us that life is not about us. And that's a huge statement for many of us to wrap our hearts around. Life is not about us. We need to look for and find the bigger picture that God has in store for us. And often that means moving self out of the way off of the throne and fixing our eyes on Jesus and what he wants to accomplish through us to minister to others. Like Mary, each one of us are called to be selfless women. Instead of expecting God to serve us, we're to serve him, expecting nothing in return. After all, we serve God for who he is and not for what we can get from him, right? Mary was a perfect example of this. I was talking with one of you this morning, um, 
And, and she said, I come here early every week, just ready to do whatever God needs me to do. What an attitude to have. Do you know what God can accomplish when we have that kind of attitude? Not shy and withdrawn, but here I am. However you need me, use me. Mary's service was motivated by her love for God. And in Luke 46, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in the God of my salvation. We know that our mouth speaks out what's in our heart, don't we, ladies? We've all learned that. And here we see Mary's love and devotion for God as she magnifies him and not her situation and not herself. Jesus himself said, if you love me, you will obey me. The way we can show our love for God is by obeying him, by doing what he calls us to do. We've learned that love is more than just a word. It's an action, it's a commitment, and it's a conduct. We miss out on so many blessings simply because we're not obedient to what God calls us to do. And um, whatever he calls us to do, ladies, is what's best for us. That's the, the part we need to understand. It's always what's best for us. It's his plan. It's his divine design. The Bible tells us that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God will always direct your way. He won't leave you in the dark wondering, what should I do next? Mary obviously knew God's word, and she loved God's word. And her song in Luke chapter 1 refers to many portions of Old Testament scripture. What Mary had read and studied and pondered in her heart came out in a glorious song of praise to God. The word of God needs to play a vital role in the life of all virtuous women. We're instructed to meditate on it day and night so that we may be careful to do everything written in it. With all of the world's advice that's out there today and all of the self-books available on the shelves, we need to get our direction and our counsel from the Word of God. It needs to be the first place we go and not the last place. Psalm 1 tells us our delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law we will meditate day and night. When was the, what are you meditating on? Sometimes we just need to ask ourselves, what are you dwelling on and pondering on? If your life is feeling scattered and unsteady and unstable, Take a check on what it is you're meditating on. If you meditate on the Word of God, He will give you all the counsel and comfort and everything you need for life and godliness. And then we will become strong women of faith, like we saw in Mary. Mary was called to a seemingly impossible task. I think we would all agree to that, delivering a virgin birth. Yet the angel, to the angel she said, Let it be to me according to your word. 
she believed, therefore she spoke it out. And Mandy, it, Mandy and a few of us over here were talking this morning again about the power of our words. There's life and death in the power of our words. We need to learn to make it a habit to speak out words of faith over our life. If we talk about our doubt and our fear and our, our frustration, guess what? Those things will grow rather than diminish. But if we speak faith words, God's word over our situation, we will learn to believe things like he will work all things together for good to those who are called, to those who love him and are those who are called according to his purpose. Mary knew words of faith, and she spoke out those words of hope and trust in God over her life. And I'm sure that helped her in her role of motherhood as well. You know, I love being a mom. I think I probably talk about my kids and grandkids more than I should, but I love it. And I, I couldn't help but ponder the fact that she, Mary not only carried Jesus in her womb, she gave birth to him in a manger, she watched him learn and grow and talk and walk and become strong and filled with wisdom and the grace of God. And scripture says that she often pondered and treasured those things in her heart. She was obviously a good and devoted mother who loved her son, much like we love our children today. Like all of us, I'm sure she experienced the pains and the pleasures of motherhood. She was present not only at his birth, but she witnessed his death as well, and I'm sure she had a lot of joy and sadness in those years in between. My daughter has two little ones she's raising right now, and she always calls me and says, Mom, this is hard work. And I say, you know what, honey, I know it's hard work. Nobody said it would be easy. It's a, motherhood is a 24-7 job, and it lasts our whole life. I'm convinced of that, no matter what age our children are. There's not much relief, and there's very little gratitude for the role. But those of us who have grown children would probably all agree that it's the most fulfilling role in, that we've ever had and that the time passes so very quickly. I know it doesn't seem like it when you're in the throes of it all, the dirty diapers and the laundry that never ends and those sleepless nights that go on and on. But trust me, someday you will even learn to treasure those moments in your heart. So try and take time like Mary did and ponder and cherish the role of motherhood that God has placed you in. I'm blessed with three married children now and six grandchildren, and my four-year-old granddaughter Isabel considers me her best friend. And I love that about her. The other day I was leaving and she said, can I give you 10 kisses for the road? Well, I wasn't going to pass that up for a minute. Children are wonderful. Grandchildren are even more wonderful. I will take those 10 kisses any day for sure. We need to dedicate our children to the Lord as Mary and Joseph did Jesus. We need to teach them God's way, not only by our words, but by our lifestyle as well. As Pastor Ann taught us, when we do that, our children will rise up and call us blessed, and our grandchildren will shower us with kisses as well. 
it doesn't get much better than that. I really don't think it does. Scripture tells us that Mary was highly favored, and that simply means that she was greatly blessed and much graced. It's used another time in Scripture, but not pertaining to Mary, pertaining to you and I in Ephesians 1 that tells us that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The Bible says in him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of our sins, the riches of God's grace, and all the wisdom and understanding we need. They're all in Christ. Not from Christ, but in Christ. And we, if we really believe that, if we truly believe that, we will have no limitations on what we can do for him. Believing that all we need is in Christ, and Christ is in us. So we have all those spiritual blessings. Last week, Pastor Ann reminded us that although we can learn a lot from women of the Bible, it's important that we take those valuable lessons and apply them to our life here and now. It's not enough to just read them and study them, but we want to pull out those qualities that we can use to be those women God wants us to be. So lessons learned from Mary's life. First of all, God can use anyone who is faithful to him to accomplish great things for him. Mary was open and Mary was available to be used by God and it changed the course of the world. Do you know if you're open and available, God can use you to change the course of your world as well? Number two, if God calls you to a task, he will equip you and give you the strength and everything you need to accomplish it. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He will never call you to a task and then leave you hanging. Number three, God uses ordinary people to perform extraordinary tasks. We must never, ever limit God by looking at our own weaknesses and our own inadequacies. Because the Bible says God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And Mary's life was surely proof of that. Number four, nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible with God. If he can cause a virgin to conceive, he can go above and beyond the laws of nature to fulfill his purpose and his plan for your life as well. We can handle, he can handle any and all obst obstacles that come our way. Number five, our character is revealed on how we respond to the unexpected. Can you say like Mary did, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you want, I want. If that's the attitude of your hearts, ladies, hold on, because a surrendered life in God is an adventure of a lifetime. We can trust God step by step and day by day and be confident of his great promises for our future and his divine design for each one of our lives. 
You know, as I look at Mary and how greatly used by God she was, and we can all look at her and think she was an extraordinary woman, but Mary was in need of a Savior just like you and I. In Acts chapter 1, we read that she continued in prayer and worship of Christ with other believers even after he had ascended into heaven. We began this morning by talking about the choices that we make in our life and how important those choices are. If you're here this morning and you've never asked God into your life, that's a choice that only you can make. It's not your husband's choice, your parents' choice, or the choice of a friend. It's a choice only you can make. But the wonderful news is God is just a prayer away. He's just a prayer away. He wants nothing more than a relationship with you. If you don't know God as your Savior, or Jesus as your Savior, ask, just consider some of the things we've talked about this morning as we've looked at Mary's life. And also the world's mindset, which is selfishness, pride, and destruction, compared to God's Jesus, the mind of Christ, which is selflessness, sacrifice, servanthood, and humility and love. There's no comparison in the two. So we're going to pray this morning. And if you've never asked the Lord into your life, just wrap your heart around this prayer. We're going to all pray together. And what a wonderful time during Easter season to get into a relationship with God. So ladies, pray with me if you will. Let's just all pray. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. And I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Teach me your ways and help me to follow after you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just want to thank you for all the lessons that we've learned today just on Mary's life. And, and God, we want to be women divinely used by you. We want to be available, God, whenever you call upon us to step out and be humble and submissive and courageous and selfless and obedient women. We want to be women who, um, God, have no excuses whatsoever. We want our lives to be surrendered to you. May we all be able to say, let it be to us, Lord, according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.